0: Thank you. Welcome to the Unschooling the Mind podcast, where we unravel all of the beliefs and deep conditioning that has been programmed into our mind through decades of infiltration by institutions, media, and governments of whom we no longer trust. In an attempt to heal ourselves and free our children from the same circumstances, we bravely face the rabbit holes that we have been incessantly warned not to explore. My name is Tasha Fishman, and I was a regular Matrix mummy previously trapped on Planet mind control, like everyone around me, until the absurdity of the 2020 mandates and public health measures, which hit the school system. I took my kids running and never looked back. Unschooling them and myself has led to a new reality. I was forced to shed my old beliefs and birth a new version of myself a former recovering people-pleaser all the way to the Canadian trucker convoy. I didn't know this was in the cards, but here I am today as an unschooling advocate, public speaker, and the founder of the International Unschooling the Mind private community. My life is unrecognizable today, but I wouldn't change a thing. So let's get into it, friends, and unschool our minds together. (music) Great. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Unschooling the Mind. Thank you, Sylvia. Sylvia uh, Filto. I'm glad I got that right this time. It's so we're so happy to have you here. Thank you for joining us um, on the Unschooling the Mind podcast really excited because I had the opportunity to speak to you. I I feel like we did a podcast ourselves because we were like, well, let's connect because you're in Costa Rica. And there we are on Zoom. And I just, I could have talked to you for hours and hours and hours because um, you have an amazing story. Up here in Canada, ex-RCMP officer, married to an RCMP officer, left the country during the mandates, took your kids. You know, you have like had the dream experience. That's all I wanted to do was get the hell out of Canada. And uh, my husband, yeah, and businesses and a stepson was not going to permit me to do that at that time. So really excited to share your story with everyone um, because the RCMP, and we have a lot of American followers um, on this podcast and on my channel. Uh, So I say, what would the RCMP be equivalent to? an army, like an army ranger, a police officer. No, it's, poli- it's, pli- it's federal policing. So federal policing so for
1: the U S it would sort of just be kind of like their FBI. Um,
0: right. right. Yeah. Cause yeah. you were on special missions when we'll get into, which is really cool. So yeah. I feel like the public, those of us that are awake and aware and have had some kind of spiritual inclination that we're at war are appalled and can't understand how so many officers in law and law enforcement are are crickets are quiet during this time have been quiet for the past four years so this is going to be really good so let's start off with like staying true to unschooling the mind what was it for you I mean here you are you're an RCMP officer okay there's your life when did you start Up. to um, the craziness of the world, to the reality that isn't really what we thought it was.
1: Yeah. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, thank you, by the way, for having me here and just giving me a a space to actually vulnerably share my story. I'm, I'm excited to do that. And my biggest hope is that, you know, the word, my word, lands in the way it needs to land into the hearts of those that need to hear it truly that's that's really a big part of my service um so to really answer your question I was like where did this all begin unschooling the mind uh I would have to say that for me it really really began shortly after Actually, yeah, shortly after the birth of my first daughter. So that was back in 2009. So I was in the RCMP for about 17 years before I left. And so in 2009, um, yeah, I had my first baby. And for me, that was just a really interesting journey, of course, through, you know, pregnancy and motherhood. And I think what happened that first time you know, it, I had an emergency C-section, and that kind of brought me into a little bit of a, an awakening of the disembodiment that women really have, first and foremost, to their, uh, to the feminine, right, to to our bodies, and then to add an extra layer of that because I was doing the work that I was doing, and in the way that I had to go back to work, there was this huge disconnect for, you know, family work-life balance and, and even um, just honoring, uh, you know, anything that had to do with, you know, a return to work and what that was like for, you know, both men and women and mainly women. And so that's kind of when it started for me. And then after I had my second two years later, that's when it was just like, boom dark night of the soul you know um really really apparent just because it was a second c section and um yeah that's when i really started diving really deep into understanding how broken our medical system was so it was really about the, it, what really started this was sort of like our food and medical system for me and the unraveling i had to do with understanding how i wanted to actually raise children right um how deeply disconnected I was like from my like actual primal essence as a woman and how there was no support. Like there was just nothing, um, you know, in community, there was just like nothing that was able to really support women at that time coming, you know, and again, I was far from family, you know, we did. it's just so much disconnect in so many different ways. So that's sort of what sparked like the, the unravel and the unschooling. And then it was just like, you know, 12 years of moving through all of this. And then the school systems as my kids got older and, you know, being able to really read the, the patterns and the threads of sort of the, what I like to call the systemic deception.
0: Systemic deception. So just, just break it down for us a little bit. Um, the RCMP, like it, it, to me, it still seems like a very, it would be a, a masculine role in the sense of like the work. So it was that just, um, hyper induced after childbirth, like you realized, it, or was there a lot of support amongst women? What is it like being a woman as an RCMP <laughs> officer? You know, we have our ideas when we drive by you and we don't want to get a ticket, but you know, we don't really know, like, is it, <laughs> you know, what is it like? Yeah. So, okay,
1: I, I want to preface all this with, you know, I was coming up in the RCMP between the years of like, you know, 2005 to, you know, about like well, 20 2019, 2018 is pretty much, you know, the years that I was really in it. And um, at the time that I was coming into it, there was still a very sort of, you know, Yes, I want to use the word toxic, patriarchal, masculine. I also want to say that this is not about men being bad. Mm -hmm. Like, I really want to say this because I do not. Thank you for
0: saying that. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, 100%. This is not um, a feminist, like, perspective i think you know again that's a whole other topic i can get into with like what feminism actually did in programming Mm -hmm. as a as a huge disservice to both men and women in many ways um you know okay but i do want to say that there there was at that time like a very very old boys club okay Mm -hmm. and it and it and it impeded on both men and women in different ways Mm -hmm. and so as a woman I mean, I can give many, many examples of what was happening to me. I just, I remember, you know, finding out that I had, that I had just been pregnant. I had a pregnancy test and um, my husband and I, who who at that time was also an active duty member. And, uh, you know, we were obviously excited and we had been, you know, planning this. And the first thing for me was like, how am I going to tell them? How am I going to tell them I'm pregnant? Because now I'm going to get like you know booted off i'm going to get treated differently it's all the things and another big piece of this was my particular and very unique experience right through um a lot of sort of like the the oppression or like the harassment pieces that i experienced through my career actually came mainly from women so this is another thing i want to bring to the table here is the understanding that many of the women and men are wounded in two very different ways based on these, you know, really um toxic cultural standards that that breed within the organization. Right. So women come in a lot, and I'm again I'm speaking like I haven't been in this for like a good three years now. Okay. So I I don't want to speak to the women that are there now. I am not there now. And I want to honor that. At the same time, I do know that there is still a ton of struggle. And, you know, women have had to really try to find their place, right, in a really wounded way. And it's, you know, the whole thing about like, well, we can do it like men. Like, we're here to do it like men. And it's like, no, no, we can't. We're here to do it like women, mm. and that's the part that's not seen or witnessed or accepted. And women don't know how to do it like women because we're constantly trying to do it like men.
0: Mm. Mm-hmm.
1: Right. So um, I have I was very fortunate to have a ton of support from a lot of my male colleagues. Uh, you know, and I know that there's a lot of women who have not and who've had very different experiences. And I want to honor that too, because that is also truth. And there has been a ton of, you know, harassment, uh, sexual harassment, all kinds of things. And it just got way out of whack, like way out of balance. Just it's like, so really for a woman at that time coming up and trying to have a family, it was a fight. It was a real fight and a real struggle to, use my voice and not be afraid to have like punishment, literally like punitive duties or punitive, um, uh, how would I say that? Like, you know, sort of like this, it happens all the time where the moment you really kind of stand up for yourself,
0: like you're labeled, right? Mm. Not one of us, Mm -hmm. like,
1: you're Mm -hmm. like the black sheep. Like, okay. It's it's a very <laughs> yeah. tribal
0: tribal mindset, right? Yeah. Yeah. What would be very what much. would be an example of a punitive um, restriction no. or something they would do if you weren't falling in line? Not-
1: yeah. Not giving you the courses you want, not giving you the transfer you want, uh, not. Well, basically, it's just not giving you the opportunities that you have, you know, or like giving you the runaround, like, you know, go put it on your learning plan and then we'll discuss it later. And then three years later, you're still trying to get the same like course or you're trying to get the same, you know, or like promotions, you know, mm-hmm. not it's, it's it, there's so many Many things that have transpired that are very clear, right? And everybody likes to complain about it, right? Everybody knows we see. but again, it's like who's actually doing like who's who's being held accountable? right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And at that time, there was not a lot of people being held accountable because, you know, everybody just kind of wants to, you know, do their thing, get their job done.
0: You know, get paid. Uh, well, it's just like it's like, a,
1: like it's yeah.
0: It's exactly what's going on today. I mean, everybody knows what's going on. Everybody sort of knows, everybody sort of knows what's going on with the politics, but everybody's like too busy just trying to be under their own, you know, they're in, in their own world, you know, under their own paycheck mind control doing their day to day and not willing to stop and and look up and, uh, you know, take stock and do something about it. That's, I feel like exactly where we are. So you're in this kind of, you know, um, male dominated, we'll say, I love that you brought up the fact that, that women had to find their way in a wounded way and in that this isn't from a feminist perspective, because we know that that's a bit of a psyop as well um, and how that's all played out. So yeah. So continue. So the, so you have your children, you realize, okay, how am I going to say, and then?
1: Yeah. I mean, we had our kids. We, at that time we got, we, I say my husband and I ended up getting, you know, transferred out of one area and then we, we got to Ottawa, uh, which is a whole other can of worms for um the, the RCMP officers that come out of sort of like general duty and then come into this sort of like federal, um international policing aspect of the organization a completely different world and we came to ottawa again that was a whole fight to you know so many things happened in that and we get to ottawa and we were very responsible in the way we were trying to be very proactive and like communicate our needs to the organization and at that time that you know this was all happening we, there was also something that was happening through the CBSA where there was a a couple that actually ended up going all the way to Supreme Court fighting on behalf of family status for human rights because the CBSA was trying to do the same thing which was like not accommodating, right? This family work-life balance. And so that sort of set the precedence and of what literally um, what I could use as meat, to to fight for what we really needed because at one point we were bringing our kid, like my daughter, like we were literally like handing my daughter off in briefings and like we were paying for three different daycares. We were paying for like, it was insane. The amount of, um, you know, things that we were kind of forced into having to do just to find a way to care for our kids.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. It's
1: really hard, especially with the shift work, and you know. And again, I just also want to say, like, I can I can hear it like in the background. I just love all those people that would say, "Well, you're a police officer you you should know you should know that you're going to get into this, and you should know what it's going to be like." And it's like, you know what? Uh, until you have kids, mm-hmm. until because there's so many people that just like to judge, right? Mm-hmm. And and that's fine. And it's like, go ahead and judge, but yeah, until you really go through it. And it's the same with the mental health aspect, that culture, like until you really go through it and Mm -hmm. you understand that there is zero support and that you literally have to warrior your way through this. Mm -hmm. Right. And again, all for divine purpose, but, uh, yeah, so that's, that's where we were at. We were, We were fighting uh, a lot and, you know, basically ended up where my husband finally got a transfer to a different unit. And then I remained at one unit and we, we did our best to kind of make it work, but not at the cost, not not without how to, not going without like a cost to our actual mental health, like
0: Mm -hmm. really bad. So Mm -hmm. Well, there's two of you in that, right? So what they predominantly would have been used to men being in that role, women being at home with the kids prior to. So this is like a whole new thing in the last, let's say 40 years. I don't even know how long women have been really active in the RCMP. I can't say you might know better than me, but Um, you know, this is a new thing. So, just support like the family to be having children and be in this career is obviously was a difficult thing. So, you were kind of awake and aware before twenty twenty. You and you were already having issues. And were you already labeled? Do you feel a little bit of an outsider or a black sheep within? For sure.
1: Yeah. (laughs) It's like (laughs) you were
0: already feeling it pretty well. Like I was. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Totally. Um. Yeah, I mean, you see that really, that experience really set the foundation for me understanding the the disconnect, right? So what then ended up happening was, you know, as I started even trying to search for resources for mental health, and I could see how broken the medical system was, I could see how broken the like actual RCMP, the organization at that time had zero resources to give us. And like, it's like, again, you're just like a check in the box, you know, to, to basically cover their their butts to make sure, like, you know, and th- again, that's a whole other unravel that I can get into. But having moved through all that, and then, of course, listen, and I'm not going to lie, like, you got mom and dad with severe PTSD. What do you think that is doing to our children as well? Right? What do you like, that is being transferred on to the kids, right, in in many ways. So as we started trying to figure out how to heal ourselves, and how to like find holistic methods on how to heal ourselves, you know, the impact that that also had on our children would show up through school. And then it was like, oh, wait a minute, guess what, the schools aren't set up to provide support for children that they're trying to diagnose with ADHD and dyslexia at like my you know my oldest um my little one was doing fine my oldest had huge um difficulty moving through a lot of the system she was being told she couldn't she'll never be able to you know read uh, or write properly so then we became like Joan of Arc parents trying to find you know support outside of the public system to i mean it was it was crazy. We were paying like almost two grand a month out of pocket for three hours a week of um, remedial services that we that there was only like two people in Canada that had this one particular skill set that we could find for my daughter. It was insane. It was insane. So it was like 10 years of really like unschooling, unraveling my core belief systems, my understanding of the world, my understanding of, you know, outside systems, right? And living, like it's the lived experience of that. Like I, you know, people, I could tell you till you're blue in the face that it's broken and oh yeah, yeah, it's broken. But until it really affects your life and you really understand the magnitude, right? And yeah. So that's what really set the foundation, right? And then from there, it got to like my last couple of years in the organization where I was just like, really good at seeing the patterns, really uh-huh. good at seeing the bullshit. And I was like, wow, okay, corruption, corruption, like lies, illusion, right? And and the lingo, it's like the government lingo, it all has the same little lingo that we like to play. And I was like, no, no, um, you know, it, that for me ended up being almost like the second round on the spiral of my, you know, dark, second dark night of the soul where it's just like, wow, okay, here's another identity I have to unravel and it's like, my entire career, I can't, I'm getting sick because I'm so out of alignment Mm. with my moral compass Mm -hmm. in seeing and understanding what is actually going on, Mm -hmm. right? So yes, when 2020
0: came, I was like,
1: "Mm -mm, I know exactly what's happening. Right.
0: So, yeah. So, you were like a pattern recognitionist, is the word that I like to use instead of a conspiracy theorist, because that's basically, I feel the same with my unraveling, is just realizing that I could all of a sudden see these patterns. Right. And I had a, a similar kind of leading up to 2020, which was working as in social work and working with families who had children with disabilities and seeing uh, the families who disclosed to me that they felt that their children were harmed by the vaccine, being gaslit by the medical system and the power that the medical system had, and that I didn't want to work for them when I was asked to work for children's hospitals. It just seemed like this huge bureaucratic entity that just, you know, it was... um, yeah, yeah, fascinating. So, when you say PTSD, let's just yeah. roll back again. You mean PTSD from things that you saw on the job, and you wouldn't get the support that you needed, and yeah. then it would affect your kids, and then you're realizing this, this, this cat gets kicked down the road here, and and no one really, there's no supports in that way. Yeah, I mean, for
1: me, yeah, totally. You know, the beginning of my career, there were many, many times where you know, we may had, you know, we encountered whatever it is, critical incident or like, you know, minor incidents, whatever that, that is that, um, sort of like disrupted and disconnected me. Right. Um, there were a ton of times where there was not even a debrief, Mm -hmm. right. There was a ton of times where, like your manager, your supervisor, like, especially when you're young in service and you're like full of piss and vinegar and you're just like,
0: yeah, I want to, yeah, <laughs> yeah,
1: <like>, yeah. Oh. <laughs> you know, and you don't like, they don't, at that time, they weren't teaching you about the importance of that self-care, self-preservation mm-hmm. of reaching out, you know, like that, because again, at that time, the culture for mental health was very much about like, you just don't talk about it, mm-hmm. you know? Your big boy pants on and get back out there.
0: Mm-hmm. That's
1: what's happening. And um again, that has changed in different ways. And I was, you know, I have watched it change in different ways. There is an effort now, but again, the effort is very systemic. Mm-hmm. It's still very systemic. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people don't understand that because they're like, oh, good, we've we've got a lifeline, and that's enough. And so this is where you know the other aspect of healing through all of that is so important is that especially as service work like those of us that are in first response not just police officers but we tend to you know really not love ourselves because mm-hmm. we are constantly putting ourselves you know before like we're putting everybody else before ourselves right because that that's the job it's like mm-hmm. go go you know save save fix right and where a lot of us, especially in the RCMP are so used to like getting the shit end of the stick in terms of like equipment in terms of, you know, resources. So it's sort of like, whatever, right. We, the moment you see anything, it's like, Oh, that's shiny. I got to go for it. That's great. I'll take it. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. So the, the, the sort of, um, when I was like really, really coming up through it, there was there was nothing. There was really nothing. And it's there's a whole illusion aspect to this as well. You know, um, they developed a beautiful, like the intention is always good because I do want to say that there are very well intended human beings in these organizations. Okay. Otherwise, most of us would not find ourselves in that kind of work. So I do mm-hmm. want to say that that there are absolutely beautiful human beings that truly want to help Mm -hmm. and make a difference. Okay. And unfortunately (laughs) it's, it, you know, it, it has to come down to like unraveling your own wounding right first before you can actually go out there and truly with deep integrity support something you know that is more full spectrum versus you know simply just cognitive simply just you know like and you know psychology has its place and that's that's beautiful but that's kind of just become the norm without looking at all
0: the other aspects of what actually disconnects you well what they is- can't they can't do that because it would break down and expose the entire system so basically you- <laughs> you're saying like every other system there's great people there's some really great well-intended people in there But is it not like every other system, like the medical system, the government, I mean, the people at the top, you're, you're, it's, it's structured and on, on a need to know basis. Am I correct? So everything is compartmentalized and you are trained just like we are in school and under the authoritarian model, even if parenting is to do what you're told, follow in line, don't speak to your partner, don't question authority, right? The same thing. And that's why everybody's running around wounded because they, and, and, and disconnected to source because they've been brought up in this kind of like, as you said, systemic deception. Yeah. So, yeah. and, and so you're talking to people that don't even know that they're in it, right? It's like that Plato's right. idea about being in the cave, right? And you're saying the sunshine's out here and they're like, you're crazy, right? Um, yeah. It's the same thing, but there are people at the very top who understand very well how the system is intended to run and are making massive moves on a global scale to herd the human uh, farm, so to speak. Are you in agreement with that? I am in complete agreement with that. (laughs) Totally, totally in agreement with that. Uh, Yeah. So you, okay. So, so now you're into 2020, you've had, you're already primed for understanding that you're in this system and the, the, the fake big lie con happens. And your husband, is he with you all the way? Are you guys completely on the same page and have been all these years? You know, no. (laughs) I'm not going to lie. It's never (laughs)
1: that easy. (laughs) It's never that easy. He was always willing to remain open and curious, right? And he had his own very deep, like trauma that, you know, and also like ancestral stuff through like family of origin, like all of these things, like this programming that he also had to really unravel in order to get to a place where he could even receive, right? So so it was, and I don't want to say that it was a battle, Although there were some pretty heated conversations. But I think for him, it was witnessing my journey and the sort of things of like, you just can't make this shit up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. And then the confirmations that he was then receiving through, let's say, other individuals or colleagues that may have worked for other security forces, you know, especially through like the convoy and all of these things, right. Where he was meeting with people that were, you know, in high up places that were obviously awake, not woke, but awake to a lot of this deception and had their own experiences that really paralleled a lot of mine.
0: Mm, Okay. So for him, he was like, okay. Yeah. She's not crazy. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah. I'm not crazy. Right?
0: So, and that's what was happening.
1: And it was really hard for him because most of his, you know, what, what I, I really want to give him a lot of respect for is like, so I let like 20, 2020, like, right. When was I literally February of 2020, I had come back from West Africa. I was on a deployment there. I came back and then I took a bit of time off and I was in Miami literally for my birthday, okay? And the like, I was in Miami in March of 2020 and I get a text like, they're shutting down all the borders or everything's shutting down. what's going on? I was like, oh, I know. Okay, got it, got it, got it, got it, right? So I left after that. I was like, I'm not going back. I can't, this is like too much. I had already- So you told-
0: knew immediately that this oh, yeah. was a
1: PSYOP? Oh God, I I was talking about this to some of my colleagues- in the, the, the special forces in West Africa. And we were like, kind of just going back and forth on some things and having some really good aha moments. And, you know, and I was the one literally saying, and I, like, I was literally telling everybody, watch, they're gonna have a vaccine for this. They're gonna have something for this. And they're gonna f- try to force it on everybody. And everybody was making fun of me and laughing. And you know, like I was known as like the witch. Cause I, you know, would show up with my tinctures and tonics and everything <laughs> <laughs> It was like, you know all that, all that kind of stuff. And it was, it was fun. It was nothing like bad at all. You know, it was like, I owned it. It's great. Yeah. Um, but I called it like I literally called it and because I, you know, and it's not to say that I didn't get like my yellow fever vaccine because I had to go to, you know, West Africa and, and all the things for work. Um, but, you know, even in 2009, when I had that first pregnancy and that whole H1N1 thing was happening, mm-hmm. for me it was, it was a, a visceral no, mm-hmm. like I'm not doing this as a pregnant woman. Um, every time, you know, I would example like yellow fever vaccine, I knew I would go see my naturopathic doctor and she, she would like give me a whole supply of like, you know, glutathione and things to like support my liver to kind of like flush and help my system kind of flush out. So I was trying to be as conscious as possible with certain things. But when this jab came out again, this was an even deeper, like, You you knew something was up. I knew something was up. And, um, you know, again, just like most people that went through that, uh, you know, my, my husband for one thing was, as I think everybody knows that, that in the RCMP, they also came down with the mandates before the mandates were official. So my husband went through a ton of harassment. Okay. Because he was in his no, he's like, They haven't forced it on us yet. They haven't come down with the official mandates yet, but he and another group, like he had about, you know, maybe 10, 15 individuals just in his units that were like, I don't want this. Like, I don't Mm want to do this. Right. Mm -hmm. And they were getting, well, I I won't speak for all the others, but I can speak that my husband was getting really harassed and being called out uh, and punitive duties being put on very sort of, um, Like, so his job, he was in protection, right? He was in protection work. So he was doing the VIP and the, not the prime minister detail, but he was doing the detail for the governor general. Mm. And so he was very privy to all of the like back door, behind the scenes, like, you know, the mask stuff and all. And he was just like, this is like, like there was a lot of situations that he was coming into where it was like, wow, this is really for television. Like this is really for media. And- Then what ended up happening was even before the actual mandate was official, you know, he literally got called out in the middle of the office for not being vaccinated when he questioned why they wanted to give him a a duty to literally be separate from the rest of like the team and the VIP that they were due to escort. He's like, I want to know why. Why are you guys, you know, why? Are you putting me on this detail that I'm just like standing by myself or I have to patrol in my uniform now around Rideau Hall or whatever, like in Ottawa, which is usually like a duty that's given to our um, what we call the, um, sorry, I'm looking for the word. I haven't been in a while, but it's, it's the retired members that come back and they do some like, you know, contract work for us Okay. or RCMP. And he was being given those duties back in uniform. And he, and again, the mandates weren't even like official. So there was a lot of things transpiring and the fear, the fear, because it's like already you have a culture, right? That is telling you, shut up. Like you don't like, right. And now it's getting, you know, compounded with the next fear of like, you're going to lose your job. You're going to get sent home with no pay. Mm-hmm. Indefinitely. Right. And then you're going to be labeled a conspiracy theorist in a federal police force. Right. So there's again layers, layers, layers. So it's just to give you an idea of like what was actually happening. And so, you know, I'm already removed for this and I'm watching him go through it. And in the conflict and the like actual trauma that was actually like happening to him and his going back and forth is like, okay, well, shit, if, if you're leaving, you're exiting, right? I'm the one with the one salary. I, we have to feed our family. Like we live in Ottawa. We have a mortgage to pay. You know, we have, we have kids to like the whole thing. So he was really like, he went, he was in it. And I just had to, what was really hard for me was like, <sighs> you know, cause I'm all fire and I'm like, like, you know, you're not doing this. You can't do this. You're going to like, you know, and then I had to really remove myself and let him find his way. And that was his soul journey. And that was like a big part of his
0: deeper awakening. And when he did, then we kind of got on the same page. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So, yeah. So he he left. He did not succumb to the pressure. And um, after you and I spoke the first time, we realized we knew a few, Danny Bolford, we knew a few of the same. Um, how many people in the RCMP actually you think were that strong and didn't succumb to the pressure? Like how many, like I never hear of an RCMP group, like the, for example, Kristen Nagel's, you know, frontline nurses, you know, there was seemed like there was quite a few, right? Like how many RCMP?
1: I feel like there was a lot, but that we don't know of. So we do have, um, there are one or two organizations that were actually a big part of uh, like even supporting the convoy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of people that you know, and I'm going to say like, to be fully transparent here, there was a lot of people dealing with such hardcore mental health issues as a result of this, that the one really good thing at that time with the RCMP that we had as a benefit was to literally go off duty sick, right? So -hmm. if you go off duty sick, right, you get paid. Right, right. So with, full truth these people were dealing with really heavy mental health issues and so they went off duty sick while this is all happening hoping to heal and wait out Mm -hmm. right this process and um So yeah, that's, that was what was happening a lot. So there was, I know that just in our kind of neck of the woods in Ottawa, there, there were a lot, there were, there were many who like right down to the last day, right. Like were fighting down to the last day and, you know, again, really forced um, into this sort of, you know, and again, zero judgment because it's one thing to be in camp, like do your part and like have the whole, like, veil in front of you, right? But it's another thing for these other people who really, really felt like they were gonna lose everything. Uh, And I do have compassion. Like I, I do have a lot of compassion. And I think for me personally and my husband personally, the only reason why we were really able to be like, F off, no, is because of the amount of unravel and shit that we went through for years prior to find our authentic truth and our sovereignty and our deepest sacred no, mm-hmm.
0: right? And mm-hmm. and so that, thank God,
1: all I that went- happened.
0: That. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we were also talking. So then you guys decided, okay, we're getting out of here. And you moved to Costa Rica. You took the kids, you left, you pulled them out of school. You got out of all the systems. Yeah. Right? And was that yes. like the best day of your life?
1: <laughs> <laughs> it was extremely difficult. So it was difficult and it wasn't. So I I had this intuition and this knowing, and I, you know, I had been wanting to also leave Canada for a while um, just because again, like just wasn't in alignment with the way I wanted to raise my kids. And like, I could see all the tech coming up and all the schools and like, all of, you know, that the transhumanism thing wasn't as, you know, aggressive, um, you know, prior to like 2019 and, it, but I could, I could see the disembodiment movement, mm-hmm. right. I could see the pattern of disembodiment through everything that I had gone through and through witnessing and all of the things. So yes, pattern recognition, 100%. Um, So I had wanted to leave for a while and when all of that happened, and I mean, I just also want to say we had just built our dream house. Mm. Like, you know, we had a beautiful home on the river. Uh, You know, I was already starting my deeper service work to humanity. I had like, you know, really left all the things behind and done a ton of healing over 10 years. And I was now supporting others to, you know, find truth and like being of service to truth in many ways. And, um, and it was just like, we had never been to Costa Rica, but we had some people, right? That we knew also in the RCMP who had done these like mic drop, (laughs) like, I'm not like walked into the office. I'm not getting vaccinated. F you I'm done and left the country. Right. So now am I saying that's healthy? No, but I am saying (laughs) that that is what they did. Right. Mm -hmm. And so me reaching out to them and understanding, okay, so there's a big expat community. There's this thing. Cool, cool, cool. And, um, and just knowing that I wanted to give my children, that that was my why. My biggest why was I'm not running away from something I'm running to something. And I didn't know what that something was. It was very unknown. I had never visited Costa Rica before, but I just had this trust. Mm -hmm. And I was like, let's, let's give these kids an adventure that will help them to safeguard their innocence mm. which is this innocence that gets so distorted through the systems Amen. that is what i wanted to you know after so much conflict through you know just like the 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 school conflict that i had dealt with just with my oldest and you know, and again, not to say that these are bad teachers. It's just, again, you know, they're not set up for a holistic approach. And that is the biggest deception of all is that there's no spirit in system. There's no source in mm-hmm. system, right? I, there's well only it's extraction. We're extracting your life force.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm hmm. Oh, that is well said. Very true, right? I mean, sure, there's some great I, I hear that all the time. Well, I like my principal. And oh, you know, I he's got a good teacher this year. And I haven't seen those books yet in my library. And it's like, okay, guys, you got to understand here, this is, this is a this is a huge, you got to have a bird's eye view, right? Um, and not just be looking at your direct experience necessarily. Because it is insidious some of the things that are going on. So you realize that you say, I'm going to give your kids an adventure. How beautiful, what, how, you know, like what a blessing really, right? I often say COVID was a blessing for so many reasons. Now looking back, even though it was hard, usually is, that's how life goes. So you moved down to Costa Rica. What, tell us what the, you know, the top three things were, you know, are, and, and the, the top three things you didn't expect. And that aren't so great because I know a lot of people that have moved back already. Right. Yeah. Totally. totally.
1: Yeah. I mean, so, you know, the, you know, and, and I, I just love, so, you know, before I, I answered that particular question, it's that, you know, we, I really want people to understand that this was a very, very calculated decision. Like there was a lot of going back and forth. You know, there was a lot of like, of figuring out how are we going to do the financial thing? Like, you know, so long story short, we ended up having to sell everything. Mm-hmm. Sold our home. Thank God we got in right at a good time where we made very good money on our home and you know, basically cashed out our pensions, which is like unheard of in the culture of the RCM. Like, oh my God, don't cash it out. You're gonna get like, you know, killed on taxes, which you do, which you do. And we knew that. And um yeah, so we we did all of that and uh lost a lot of friendships, lost. A lot of, I should say, family, um, you know, went through a lot of hardship with that. Um, that was really difficult. It was really, really difficult. Nobody could really understand, like, you know, we're crazy. We're conspiracy theorists. We're what What is wrong with you? Like, I mean, everything, you know, I got the blame for so many things. I'm like, cool, good. This is part of my journey. It's part of my expression, my expansion. Great. We get to Costa Rica. And the plan (laughs) was to uh, expand my particular service work and my particular business and also buy some land and build something that was simple and that we could also host um, what I like to call, I don't, I don't call it retreats. I call it returns. Mm -hmm. We return, we don't retreat. Mm -hmm. So basically uh, that was the plan and well, I mean, I can get into multi layers of this, but, you know, when you come to a place, especially where it is the energetic of jungle, the jungle and the land holds a very, very specific presence that it wants you to also hold. So everything is extremely slow here. Um, there is a, almost like a ferocious regenerative energy. So it's like, if you come here and you haven't done your inner work, good luck, good luck. Cause it will rip you another. Mm-mm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it will, <laughs> literally. And, and so, you know, we come here and everything is really in our face so it's it's difficult we're still doing the work our kids are now in this beautiful it's called life project education and it's a a community-based sort of like private school but fully holistic really supports the 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 full development of the child so like the spiritual emotional psychological the whole thing the whole being of the child you know, again, small classes. Um, I mean, it. you know, my daughter, I, just, I do want to say that it's like both my daughters, like many ch- children coming out of that whole, you know, thing with 2020, 2021 had a ton of traumatic experiences with the whole online thing. And like, especially my oldest, like she was in fetal position, crawled up in a corner, literally, I can't do this. I'm not like, it was horrendous. It was horrendous. Being told she couldn't read and she'd never learn how to write, right? Being told she needed medication, being told all the things. Six months, six months in this area at that community, beautiful school, holistic, holding and nurturing the child. She's reading novels now. Behavior is always going to be behavior because I've got a a tween and a teen. Okay. (laughs) So I'm not going to lie, it's not easy. But But this is, that was, that is what I came here. So if anything, she can now, both my children can now, you know, walk through life knowing that they're effing capable. Yeah. They're capable. Right.
0: So, yeah. So there was a lot of this. So, so basically the best thing you ever did was pulling them out of the school system. (laughs) for Absolutely. that certain amount of time the Canadian uh North American yeah yeah
1: giving giving them an opportunity to to get to know themselves mm-hmm. beyond what they're being told mm-hmm. right and and that's the thing is like towards the end I was I was arguing about like I was going back to the school with things like what do you mean you can't like so my kids don't have tech like we have tech in the house like yes you know they're allotted um they're allowed 30 minutes a day to like check in with friends and family and all the things so long as you know they've they've done their chores and their reading and all the things that they need to do okay so what I'm trying to say is you know it was really hard being a holistically minded consciously aware parent with children going To a school that was like, you know, systemic in that way where everybody else has cell phones, everybody else is on TikTok, everybody. And so it's like the arguments that would happen was like, why can't I do that? Why can't I, you know, why do we eat this way? And why do they eat that way? And it's like, where's the community? Right. And so this is what we were able to also find, not that it doesn't come without its challenges here either, Mm -hmm. but it's like a whole heck ton less. Mm -hmm. right it's like oh wait a minute there there is another way Mm -hmm. that is not this program
0: right well and that's basically what unschooling is right like giving children the unrestricted time to uh, unhook from a system if they've been in the system or not know the system and actually just connect with your children and allow their own path, their inner compass, their inner path to unfold through their interests and passions. But we can't do that when we are ramming down programs six, seven hours a day by other systems. Right. I mean, when you, when you, when you, when you do this and you've been out for four years, I've been out for four years, you know, you look back and go, I can't believe, like, hey, you know, like that. Thank God, you know, my kids are going to be okay now, but that this is the system we've set up. This is what we were raised in. This is how, I mean, we're literally all program junkies. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, from one program to another. So, okay. So, are your intentions to move back? So, here we are. (laughs) (laughs) Here we
1: are. Later. And, you know, again, this was always a stepping stone. Like that was always certain. It was like, this is going to be a stepping stone. We're going to go, you know, we we did buy property. It, you know, has taken forever to get permits and all the things. And I've had to really sit with and question, okay, what are, you know, what's going on here? Like, what's the deeper truth? What's the deeper message? You know, there's a lot of parts of me that have also, again, you know, deeply, deeply healed and deeply integrated those shadow aspects. And I've done, you know, even more work, um, which has been so supported by the energetics and the land here, you know, I think if anything, Costa Rica does provide that for many people who are sort of on that spiritual path. Okay. Now it doesn't come without, you know, the, the shadow in that as well. And there is a lot of bypassing, which, makes me furious and I can, you know, that's a whole other podcast that I can yeah. get into <laughs> about like the spiritual life and like the communities and all. all yes, right. Yes, so that's yes. just, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so that's something that I'm just like, mm, yeah, but mm-hmm. for me, you know, just recently and and I travel quite a bit because I do a lot of um, work. Like I bring people on deep pilgrimage to different lands and all the things. And, uh, and I, you know, I just missed the seasons. Like there was this it started with me being like, "Oof, wow, the the sun is this extremely ferocious, penetrative force here all the time. And I'm just like, okay, I need a little bit more balance. I love my seasons, you know, my kids, are very very close with my sister and my brother in law and their cousins, and they miss them very much. My mom has come up here twice now and spent like two three months at a time to be with us and be with her grandchildren. So even though you know the RCMP, uh, my husband and I, because we were in the RCMP, we you know we were never home, right? Because we were always living in a different province or whatever, you know. And so we're like, we can do it, and and we have, but guess what? We don't have to anymore. You don't have to. And this is sort of like this other, this next part of this expansion that I'm going through where it's like, man, I just spent 12, 13 years in deep healing through like severe PTSD and and like massive spiritual awakenings and all of these things that required, you know, a depth of discomfort and suffering, right? And now I'm like, guess what? Yeah. And I don't have to do it that way anymore. Mm -hmm. I don't have to suffer through it anymore. Mm -hmm. And so as I unraveled the matrix within, right, it's then on the outside to be like, listen, it doesn't matter where I go. It doesn't matter, you know, where I live. So long as I can be in deep, authentic truth with myself, and express from that place, and embody from that place, right, that is service just in and itself, my children see that, my husband sees that, mm-hmm. you know, that hits a frequency that then magnetizes that frequency to you in a different way, you know, mm-hmm. so it's, yeah. So we're looking, we are exploring the option of potentially going back and building a tiny little cottage, uh, <laughs> you know, somewhere, uh, in the woods. Cause you know, I, I definitely would want to be more in the woods and not necessarily in like suburbia and stuff. But, um, but again, it, it feels like a stepping stone to potentially something else. Like my, my heart is truly in the Mediterranean and and that is where I would love to
0: be able to bring my kids one day. And my mm-hmm. husband loves too.
1: So we'll see.
0: So unraveling the matrix within, it's so true. I often say like, that's why unschooling our kids, the account that I made, which kind of blew up over time, really changed into unschooling the mind. Because what I realized over time is that Once you pull the kids out, the kids will be fine. It's really the parents that are most conditioned. It's us that have all the programming. It's us that has to deal with like the deep wounds and the systemic deception and and all the things that you're mentioning. And so if we can unschool our own minds first, our kids will benefit from that. If we can, like you said, come from that place of deep authenticity within our own selves, we'll magnetize that. That is the work. That's all we have to do. We don't have to do this huge you know, (laughs) amount of things, right, it can be overwhelming, we just have to go on the inside, which we are literally not, uh, you know, um, encouraged to do in these systems. Mm -hmm. Um, So um, I'm going to give you the last word for what you know, because we're going to wrap it up. And then we'll, we'll, I've got a few um, community questions in our Q and a portion of this. So we'll end with the podcast here, but maybe let people know where they can reach out to you because now you're taking all of the things that you've done. And like I say, turning your, your, your mess right into (laughs) a message to serve others. So what are you up to now and where can people find you?
1: Yeah. I mean, I, so my website is, uh, www.com. Intemana.ca, so that's you can find me there, and more information about the work I do there. Um, and yeah, my Instagram as well is at priest. It's Priestess of the Blue Fire. And yeah, I've just developed, you know, over the years, and I'm always evolving. So that that is one thing I do want to say is that there's no absolute. I'm always evolving. Uh, I have come to realize the, you know, just how starved our society is of wisdom Mm. and wisdom that comes through real lived experience. Okay. And integrated lived experience, right? We can live through all the experience, but if we don't integrate it, and if we don't live from that place, then it's, you know, it's still disembodied. Mm -hmm. And so my, my whole service is really about, you know, consistently evolving through my own understanding and awareness of truth, not Sylvie's truth. Cause that's egoic, but truth. What is that, right? What is truth and where do we live from that place? And it does require pattern recognition, like energetic modalities Ancestral healing, inner child healing, it requires a psycho spiritual approach. Mm -hmm. Right. So I have, I've been, you know, again, apprenticing and training and certifying and doing all of these things that now I'm like, no, I'm, I'm enough. I am enough. And this is who I'm here to be. And if this resonates with you and that you are in search of learning how to find your truth, I reflect that to you. I become a mirror. We do shadow work. It is confronting uncomfortable work. Mm -hmm. This isn't. Therapizing. This isn't, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, and again, I went through 13 years of psychotherapy, I had to, I went through many psychologists before I could find the one that was really truly in resonance with a holistic approach. Um, and then that helped expand me into the next phase. And so, a big part of the work I do, like you'll hear the word priestess, you'll hear the word shaman and all of these things, uh, which again, are, you know, becoming more and more sort of like mainstream and marketed. But my job is to steward the sacred. Like my job is to really, you know, I always say I'm a carrier of the mysteries, right? I'm a carrier of of really, having lived through the unknown and being able to come out onto the other side through the underworld, right? Mm -hmm. And, and be here in the flesh and say, Hey, I can illuminate that path for you. I can Mm -hmm. support your journey through that. So I do a lot of different things, right? Mm -hmm. Many different modalities that we use to get there. But essentially, uh, for those who, you know who may not know much about priestessing or shamanism, it's it it is coaching. It is a, a form of coaching. Mm-hmm. It is a form of soul mapping, right? Really, under because we cannot like if you are here in twenty twenty four and you have lived through the last four years and like you know again, I'm not here to try to um, how would you say? Uh, I'm looking for the word. I don't usually look for my words. But I'm looking for my mm-hmm. word right now. But I'm not I'm not trying to sell you on spirit. I'm not trying to sell you on source. Like that's your journey. Right? But there's a many there's many people right now who are who were sort of in that middle camp, you know? And they're just like, holy shit, now. Now I'm getting it. Like what is happening, you know? And and it's like I'm I'm not here for the people who can't see. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, yeah. when yeah. they're when they're able and they're willing, I'll be here.
0: Right. 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 Yeah. Well, we would have, I would have appreciated having somebody walk me through my dark nights of the soul, man. Oh man. You know, (laughs) a lot of us have to walk it alone, but uh, you know, to have somebody who's gone the distance, who's been in that kind of systemic deceptive environment that you've talked about Uh, and come through the other side back to spirit, a return to spirit and self, I mean, is amazing. I can can completely see why you're in this field and why you're, I mean, I feel like all of our mess is turning into our message. For those of us who who hear the calling since 2020 and before, because I certainly had many awakenings before, but it didn't all come together. I mean, it's still unfolding, but it's like 2020 was the catalyst. It was like the the gong. It was like the call was there, the red yeah. Batmobile phone, you know, are you going to answer it? Right. Are you going to answer it? And so some of us are doing things like I am literally doing the opposite of what I was trained to do in university all those years, trying to teach kids how do you, you know, with disabilities, yeah, teach the families cognitive behavioral therapy. And now I'm unschooling where I'm like, find their spirit, find their path. Right. So you're very much doing the same. And uh, and thank goodness for that, because I feel like you are the lighthouse and you are one of the leaders of the new earth. You are a pioneer of the new earth. And And this is what you're, you've come to do. And no one can resonate or respect, literally or follow you unless they know, oh wow, you went you walked through those coals on your own. You did those dark nights, the soul, right? Yes. So I mean, it's wonderful for you to share your story. So thank you very much for joining us. I will have all of Sylvie's uh, notes in the the show notes of how you can find her on intimana.ca and Priestess of the Blue Fire. So I'll have that there for you all. And uh, we're going to continue on with our Q&A in our private community, because there are some things that I want to touch on that I don't think that we can talk about necessarily when it comes to the trafficking and the RCMP <laughs> and some of the juicy stuff I'm going to um, hold for public. And so if you're interested in that, take a look at our private community. We'll on the conversation. So thank you so much, Sylvia. We'll, see. Sasha, we'll thank check you. in. This is just, it was, you know, a real blessing.
1: And thank you for just giving me uh, opportunity to use my voice. And
0: um, yeah, just really happy to be here. So thank you. Thank you. We'll see you again. Okay. Okay. That's good. Before I used to pause it and then I accidentally on a guest, um, Dr. Laura Braden forgot to restart it. Like we had a problem 10 minutes in and I pressed pause and then anyway, and so we had this amazing podcast. She was crying at the end and I lost it all. So I don't even touch anything now. (laughs) So I'm just like, my editor will edit it out. So I'm like, okay, just hold on for one second. Um, No, that was great. A great introduction into your story and then the work that you do. I'm sorry that I have to cut it off, but if I do podcasts too long, no one listens, right? So then it's like, it's futile. But um, I know the ladies jumped off, but we've definitely talked about you in our community calls because I had brought up one of the things that we talked about and I wanted you to tell your story about I think it was me that said to you, like, Sylvia, is it true that like, like this, are my suspicions correct with the CSIS guys that were undercover talking about the child sex trafficking? Like, you know, cause there's some days that I'm like, I was so in that hole in that, that, you know, and and I mean, I was like, and I was so by myself. I was like cuddling with my kids at night, like just crying. I, I remember being in the shower once, um, Crying just at night when the kids would go to bed. I remember having psychic attacks. I remember being in the closet because my, my husband was like, that's enough. I don't want to hear about this. And I remember <clears throat> going down to get some meat out of the freezer and I couldn't go back up because I had this little kid's, um, face in my, this video I'd seen in my mind in my, and I couldn't get it out. And I was just like hyperventilating. I was calling my one friend. I had one friend, everybody needs somebody. <laughs> that uh, was also going down this. And I was like, I just can't get it. You know, and she's like, you're just going to take a breath. You're going to go up there and you're going to like, that's how crazy it was for me. So some days I'm like, I still feel in my soul. Like, that's what this is all about. Like, this is all about the kids. This is all about this huge trafficking ring that all of our leadership and these ancient ruling families have been a part of. And the entire thing's aside, everything's up. This is what the real, the real thing is this thing. And yeah. when we all understand what it is, we will all come together Yeah, because we yeah. will be so broken that we will be brought to our knees. The truth mm-hmm. will bring us to the knees, to our knees in a, in a space where we'll actually uh, break open our hearts and our souls. I feel like it's a human, like a human race. Is this yeah. true though? Cause then I'm like, am I crazy? You're not crazy. And I've
1: had, you know, my own very unique and particular experiences of, of this and, and yes, West Africa for me and the deployments that I did there really served as a catalyst to a very ancient and deep her knowing within me. I mean, I can, again, I can go like two, three hours in the unravel of, you know, what I didn't know then as like, you know, I I didn't have the neural pathway connection. I only had sort of like the deeper sense of like, that's not, you know, and then it's like, now I have both the cognitive awareness of like, okay, I get it. That's what's happening. And that's why I feel this way. Right. Mm So, um, you know, and it, and it goes deeper than that. It goes to a lot of the understanding of, you know, my actual soul mapping and like my astrology and what I'm here and, and like the lives I've lived and like the understanding of all of this, people like to kind of label woo, right? But that is such a vital part to the mystery. And this is, you know, and this is where this is also a really big piece is like, we have been programmed to believe that the mystery doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. The mystery is the essence of the feminine. It is, this is the feminine Essence and energetic, right? This is the feminine. This is the void. This is the unseen, the unknown. There's all of this, right? And if we go back, like, and I do a lot of this, the work that I do on pilgrimages is is to really get people to understand their history you know, through the Egyptian lineages and understanding like when the templates turned in Egypt and why, and understanding what Egypt actually is and what those lands actually are. And like, what is Sardinia and why, you know, what are these temples? What are these sacred sites? Like that is such a vital part of the understanding of what is happening and why Mm -hmm. that you're speaking to. Right. Mm -hmm. So When, like, I mean, we literally have like almost 4,000 years to unravel and catch up on, right? And so we can go down all these rabbit holes, which are, you know, what they are sometimes. And it's not until we start really connecting those dots that we then really start to understand oh, shit. Okay. Yes, we are not alone. Like, yeah, we, you know, we are Gaian, you know, we've, we, have, there are other things out there beyond earth, you know, this is not only, you know, the, I mean, and again, it's not also not to get caught in the trap of look this way, the aliens are here while yes. we're doing this.
0: Yes, yes, yes. That's a big one. Right. Coming so, soon to a screen near us. Right. <laughs> right.
1: I mean, it's always been here. Mm-hmm. It's always been this way. Mm-hmm. We need to, We know, there's, there are mass discoveries happening right now, right now, as we speak, like even just yesterday, uh, Robert Edward Grant, just love this guy. He is amazing. Such an amazing genius of our time that is literally unraveling a lot of the coding in the Egyptian pyramids, right? Mm -hmm. In the great pyramids that literally speak to, right? Like a lot of what is happening. And so right now, all of this sort of like movement into this, you know, next age, we want to call it the Aquarian age. And we're coming out of like a dogmatic Piscean age and we're coming into, you know, this whole new wave of like innovation, right? We have to be careful with that again, because humans have not evolved yet like in our wounding, we're still so much in our wounding and unintegrated that we can't act from a place of union in order to evolve enough to utilize proper technological advances in a way Mm -hmm. that will benefit us, Mm -hmm. right? But we're coming into that age now, where it's like, we can't ignore that all of this is happening. And like the systemic shit is trying to again, use this now as a program of enslavement in, in many ways. Mm -hmm. So yes, the children have been at the heart, the innocence, it is the essence of divine innocence. Mm -hmm. It is our wounded inner children Right, like so long as it's like there's so many things, there's so many aspects of this that I can I can get into, but yeah, a hundred percent. So it the- it, so okay.
0: Obviously, this is a spiritual war, one hundred percent. So when you tell tell share with our community when you, I think you were in West Africa and you the sun was on you and you felt like yeah. tell me that again so you could I'll botch it if you don't. <laughs>
1: No, no. Um, yeah. So just to remember that I had already been on a very shamanic path. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I was already very much in touch with those aspects of myself. I had already been studying quite a bit and learning and embodying and utilizing a lot of the ancient Egyptian mysteries through my own, you know, in my own way, in my own life, in my own service. And so here I am in West Africa and I'm in the middle of the desert. I was in Mali somewhere and um yeah i was on a where was i i was on a, I, th- I think I was in the french i was on a French um military base out in the desert, and um yeah, there was a bunch of other things that were happening and there was like questions and it was kind of like chaotic and people didn't know like, you know, what we're, what are we going to today? And like, who are we meeting today? And like, I was doing a lot of source development and like, I have to give a little context to like what I was actually doing there. So I worked for undercover, I walked, excuse me, I worked undercover for many years and I got lent to our Canadian special forces uh, while in West Africa to work on various or A project in particular, which was a whole other sham, um, that we found out about later on. Like we weren't actually there for that, even though we were made to believe we were there for that, and all the money that was being invested in this sort of like, excuse my language, cockamamie investigation, like whatever. Um, Yeah, it was about one
0: particular person
1: that went missing, right? What was her name? Yeah, exactly. It was. It was, and again, not to say that this was cockamamie because the
0: person went missing, right? they. they, They're using it as a front, like everything. Yeah. Exactly.
1: So uh, long story short, there was, there was always some form of like little, like chaos and like rescheduling and this, and nobody knew, like, it was just like flying off the seat of our pants sometimes. So here I am one morning, I'm like, you know, literally the only woman in this particular part of this, you know, special forces, French military base, And I'm getting ready to, you know, go and do the briefing that morning. And uh, I literally take off, (laughs) much like I was like all in my like gear and my stuff and like my clothes or whatever. I take off my shoes, okay, and I really want to like get my feet in the sand, (laughs) just like in the right. And I'm like, whatever. So. I take off my shoes, get my feet in the sand. And it's like this red sand. And like, you know, when we talk about spirit and our chakras and all the things like, this is the red ray, like, you know, Africa really holds a lot of the root, the root of humanity, the red ray that comes in, like, we can talk about that on a whole other thing. But I um, wanted to get my feet in the sand, and I get my feet in the sand, I get my feet in the earth, and I look up, Right, because the sun was so just strong and I could feel the ray. And for me, this was like, oh my God, this is raw, raw. Like if we know about Egyptian, you know, mythology and understanding raw as like the solar logos, the solar force. And the moment I was like, ooh, like this is raw, and I got the goosebumps, and I, I just had this wave of vision come over me. Like like it was literally like I could see um, that I was like standing on top of like not necessarily immediately on top but that my feet were rooting into a graveyard of dead children mm. yeah right and and I was like wow I'm you know and again I'm still at a point where yes I'm I'm doing the work and I'm unraveling identity and you still get the ego that's like come on you hear the little voice like come on like what you know and I'm like yeah oh, shit I'm-
0: right yeah 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 so so that was one of the visions that was confirmation for you i was on a a deeper knowing and so when i met some of these undercover um guys and at the convoy and we were in the war room and i I don't know if you remember, but every Saturday it was like minus 25 and this huge wind would blow in. And and so I'd walk in there and I'd say, oh yeah, weather warfare. And this was at a time where people weren't talking about it that much yet. We were just dealing with COVID and they, all the guys looked at me and went, yeah, I said, oh, DARPA and HARP, you know, the, now people kind of know about it, but you know, and, and they were like, yeah, she knows. And I was like, and I realized it was the first time somebody actually acknowledged what I said, because I'd been used to like my husband and the other people around me thinking I'm nuts for the last few years until we got to the convoy. So like these people, like these people that I didn't know that were sitting in this room were shaking their head, like in agreement with me. And I was like, what? I felt so validated. So then I said, okay, like, is the child sex trafficking thing true? Like, is this true? Like, are there kids getting in carts, like being like shipped? And, and 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 these things and they're like 100%. Oh, yeah. I mean, and that I'm was like... like Yeah, I don't know if you remember
1: um and I don't want to get this wrong, so I don't want to necessarily say a specific date, but there was a point now, I don't know if it was during the convoy or shortly thereafter, but I think it was when like right before the Ukraine the whole war broke out there and and one point there was a very specific statement that came out of the Ukraine to Canada. And it was basically along the lines of, hey, you know, Trudeau or whatever, Canada, you know, you either give us your support, right? By sending us whatever the hell you need to send us, right? Or we're going to air your dirty laundry.
0: No, I don't okay? remember that.
1: And yeah, so, and this was a whole other conversation that like, you know, we were having, we as in like, you know, all these like ex, like an okay. Yeah, and yeah. who were like awakened to all of yeah. this because we know we know that a lot of the containers go through the Ukraine we know that Canada supports it in that way and we know that a lot of the children that get trafficked even in the Middle East are coming out of conflict rich environments like that is literally what like funds the
0: war So like in Haiti, for example, all these kids, like when when the earthquake happened, like, do you think that these things, these manufactured wars, I mean, it was probably for several reasons, but in that kind of chaos, they can go and do their grabs or like what? Oh, a hundred percent. Like, I'm not
1: going to speak for Haiti because I've never actively worked in Haiti. Right. I don't want to say that, but I mean the pattern would suggest that if it's happening, you know, so it's just to remain aware that, you know, that has always been at the root of war. And a lot of like, you know, people that I I know who've, you know, were like special forces, military, um, you know, really high levels and, and doing very, very covert work. um, A big part of their injury is, is as a result of that, of, of knowing, like, why am I being sent to this country, especially for Canada? Okay. Here's the, the, here's the other piece to this is like, there's so much like red tape and, and political bullshit, right. Where, you know, Canada likes to pretend and say, Oh, we don't, we don't get involved with, you know, like, um, uh we don't we don't negotiate with terrorists or like we don't get involved or yeah. like actual warfare where we're out there like killing people and anyway so there's so much garbage that is put out there a lot of these um you know, men that i have spoken to will literally have have said you know where it's like well i don't even know what the hell we're at war for, war I don't even know why like I'm sent in here when all we need to do is just stop the human trafficking mm. right and this is a big thing in Africa this was like a big part of West Africa and understanding the greater issue so like we're being sent in for whatever we think we're being sent in for right and we're potentially supporting you know another country in a different way whether that's through intelligence whether that's through whatever whatever and of course there's like the pu- the people that are playing at the top like using the puppets and they all know and this is like you know that's why i keep saying like why do you think the clearances are so high right like top secret you know all these like and and more like gamma clearance and like and more it's because like you are literally sworn like you will lose your job right if you speak to anything that you witness at a lot of those like top levels um so many it's like so many things so yeah human trafficking is literally at the root
0: of of funding all of this and then we have these systems and this is why i say (laughs) and it's not to say that kids like aren't going to want to go back to school at, at some time. Like my my 13-year-old, he wants to have a little bit of a school experience, so we're kind of looking at some options. But, you know, it's – it's when we understand the depths of, like, you call it the systemic deception, why would I want my kids in that? These people at the top they're, that have created the structure in this way, in this compartmentalized way, like you said, these higher clearances, like humanity is literally controlled in this manner, which oh. is – A carbon copy of the public government run school system to train you to be ready to go into these systems. And it's like, we have to break free from the system. We have to get out of these schools, our children out of these schools. We have to completely start something new, community minded, um, local, small, keep them with us. It's the most natural thing, you know, until they're tweens and teenagers and they want to explore a bit more. Okay. But, Wow. Yeah, well, I mean, and that is that is the whole
1: thing. It's you know like a big part, especially like when I work with first responders, which I was doing a lot more at the beginning part of like my service work. Um, you know, we become, you know, part of the government or or part of the service work and all these things, right? Because at one time, and I want to say this is like ninety nine percent true across the board. Okay, there's always the one that may not. It might not be true for, but we have gone through our own inner child wounding in such a way that it expresses like there's like these threads of our actual spirit and soul and what we've come here to do that kind of like intertwines with our wounding and our trauma and our like inner child disconnect, right? And it kind of comes in together and you're like, I want to save the world. I want to save you. I want to fix you. I want to help, right? So it it is coming from a pure place, but it's the way that it becomes. So then what happens is like, there's this programming we go through as young children through the school system, through our family systems, through this the government system. It's like, you know, be a good girl, be a good boy, you know, don't speak up, like da-da-da-da-da, all the things, right? That then, you know, and then it's like, it's a recognized, I almost want to call it this, you know, it's, it's hard to give word to, but at a subconscious level, when we endure trauma, whether that's a big T trauma or a small T trauma, subconsciously when we're young, okay, and we we endure this trauma, when it is not healed, right? We then, as we grow, are actually attracted to at a subconscious level, an environment that feels familiar, right? even though it could be toxic but it feels familiar because that is what was learned. That is what was experienced, right? And it's until we understand, because this also plays out in the system, is that if I grew up in a way that was like almost tyrannical or authoritarian or whatever, I'm literally going to feel comfortable in an environment in my later adult years That is very controlling. Mm -hmm. So, the unschooling and the unravel and the pattern recognition has to start at a foundational level to really understand like, wait a minute, whose voice
0: is that? Like, that's not my truth. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Listening to that inner critic, we talk a lot about that. We've been reading and talking about the books from Miguel Riaz and the Tolick, uh tradition and just, you know, the inner critic, the the voice of knowledge, which is a liar and, uh, you know, and just even as parents being aware of like, why am I saying no right now? Why am I telling my kid I need to do this? Why am I coercing them to do this? Is that me or is that the program of me training my kids because that's how I've been trained? Am I worried about outside, you know, um, pressure here in this situation, right? Just starting to really unpack some of that stuff. Well, Sylvia, you've been amazing. Thank you so much for sharing your light and your path with our community. I know they're going to be super interested and um, I, I'm glad I actually should have talked to you about this at the beginning. Now we're on the community part because my membership's a, a private community association. So it's 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 got safeguards against government and the public domain. So we we can share whatever and it stays in the yeah. community. But I d- forgot to say to you, oh, can I talk about that thing with your CMP and <laughs> that thing? And then, should I talk about that publicly? So anyway, yeah. Um, but I think we got the best of both worlds where we can kind of share your story on, uh, the public platform and then kind of go a little more in depth. So, um, yeah, so I'll have all your information up for everybody in, uh, in the notes in the community as well, if you are, and, and I, I would love you to catch up with us again and, and hear, uh, when you get back, if you get back where you're going, what you're doing, maybe you want to join our community and be part of the unschooling mamas and, um, Gosh, yeah. I'm gonna need help with that <laughs> yeah. I'm like, they're not
1: going back to the, the the public system whatsoever. I know there's like a lot of different like I've been researching some stuff and unschooling and in the Ontario region and yeah, free uh, learning and, and so many things now that were not there two years ago, right? True. So, so yeah. yeah, definitely looking at different. I'm
0: open to open. Yeah. And they yeah, need some definitely reach out to us. <laughs> definitely reach out to us. We have a lot of mamas that are from Ontario in um in our community, well really from all over the world, but it's it's more a mindset than anything else and then finding things that you know, not fill the kids' time but are their interests and their passions, you know, and just knowing that we're not alone. This is a revolution of, reclama- of reclamation of bringing our kids our sovereign right to you know, educate our kids the way they see fit, not even the way we see fit, but just keeping them out of these systems that are designed. Like you said, it's like, um, it's not life giving, it's life taking, you know, it's totally. um, And, and, and that's, so that is the piece,
1: right? mm -hmm. Life force. And like, I, everything falls around life force are you getting it siphoned from you Mm
0: -hmm.
1: are you giving it away because again subconscious like we don't know because that's what it feeds on Mm -hmm. like that Mm -hmm. is what those powers of oppression and suppression and control feed on your life force yeah it's so So, true yeah and that is that is because the purest form of life force is through children
0: Mm. that's why they're always under attack
1: Okay. So like, I mean, again, I can totally get into that, but, but it's just to understand that. And it's like, okay, wait a minute. How do I reclaim? How do I return my life force? And, you know, when you really start unraveling that and understanding how many ways we do things and, and just how divinely designed the body is like biologically and physiologically, like by design, what we're actually meant and, and capable of evolving into versus what we're doing to ourselves every yeah. day through, right? The, the, all the, the poor habits and things that are being like pumped into us through the systems.
0: Yeah. And the people right. that rule us know us that, and then they keep the information hidden from us. I mean, it's, it's, it is such a trip. Well, I'm just so glad there's uh, other mamas and other people all over the world around that I'm connecting with and, and meeting you has been great because it's like, okay, yeah, no, (laughs) I'm not crazy. (laughs) And we're going to get through this together. So I will uh, send you a copy of everything or or little clips that I make, and uh, I'll tag you on your Instagram and we'll, uh, we'll keep in touch for sure. Okay. Thank you so, so much. Thank you. I just wish you yeah, definitely. We're going to keep in touch. So <laughs> you look great. I got to get out and get some sun. We haven't seen oh, sun up here in the mountains for weeks and weeks. Like, it's, oh my gosh. I think it's yeah, the There's some just sun. coming out. So I got to get out there and get some. You look amazing. You're like glowing and Costa Rica. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my God, I need sun. All I get is chemtrails <laughs> and snow. Sweat. Uh, the sweat yeah, yeah, glow. yeah. That's good. That's good though. <laughs> yeah. Okay, hon. Well, we'll talk All to right. you again soon. Have an awesome day. And thanks for joining us. Okay. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much, friends. If you like the content that I am producing amongst a sea of censorship, please like review and share. If you are looking for support to pull your kids from the system and start your own unschooling the mind journey with an international online community of like-minded souls who are doing the same thing as you head over to my website at TashaFishman.com for all the details to create strong communities right where you are. It starts with you. Thank you. Clear eyes, open heart, can't lose. See you next time.